0: Welcome to the Savvy Sauce, where we have practical chats for intentional living. I'm your host, Laura Duggar, and I'm so glad you're here. Thank you to an anonymous donor to Midwest Food Bank who paid the sponsorship fee in hopes of spreading awareness. Learn more about this amazing nonprofit organization at MidwestFoodBank.org. Steve Robinson, former Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer of Chick-fil-A, is my guest today. After reading his book, Covert Cows in Chick-fil-A, I immediately reached out to him to request an interview. His book captures timeless biblical principles that were embodied through the people at Chick-fil-A and the wisdom is rich he's going to share a few of those stories and lessons with us today. Here's our chat. Welcome to the Savvy Sauce, Steve.
1: Thank you, Laura. Pleasure uh, to be with you.
0: Well, I'm so excited for this chat today. And your career in marketing is remarkable. So will you share a few of your favorite timeless marketing lessons?
1: (laughs) Well, given the fact that Lord has blessed me with a 43-year working career, probably a pretty long list. I think one lesson is uh, when I first started my career, I probably operated under the majority premise in marketing that marketing is all about driving transactions, driving sales. And um, as I got to understand the role of the brand better, first in my days at Six Flags and then later with through at Chick-fil-A, I came to realize that the real power of marketing is if it can be used to develop a relationship, ideally an emotionally connecting relationship with customers and not just be chasing their money, their transactions. Now, that is much harder to do, and that was much of my journey at Chick-fil-A was to try to approach Building a brand, using marketing as well as every other tool in the toolbox to build relationships with customers through a relationship, emotional relationship in the restaurants, as well as through marketing interactions. That would be principle number one. I think uh, principle number two is any great brand journey is rooted in a strong, clear culture. And I don't know that I fully understand how strong and how clear the culture of Chick-fil-A was until I was in it for several years. But uh, the the clear purpose-driven and values-driven culture of Chick-fil-A gave me and my team an an incredible playground, if you will, to help position Chick-fil-A as a unique and totally different alternative in the fast food space that People obviously have grown to love and appreciate to help create experiences that go beyond just buying a Chick-fil-A sandwich. So culture is is the foundation of a great brand. And if an organization doesn't have a great, clear culture that leadership can articulate and lives by and nurtures, they'll probably never enjoy the kind of brand experience that I got to enjoy at Chick-fil-A. I think the third one, again, I can give you a long list, but the third one would be great organizations understand the most important decisions they make or who they invite to be in the organization. I learned that literally beginning in the interview process with Truett Cathy. I did not fully appreciate it in my previous eight years with Texas Instruments and Six Flags, but as I spent time with Truett and Jimmy Collins, I came to realize that um, there was no question. The most important decisions they made, as they saw it, was who they invited into the business. And Chick Fil A really reflected truth attitude that we don't train culture, we hire it. And uh, I think most organizations are so focused on finding people of great competency and filling jobs, they don't spend enough time to really get to know the person's values and their character and their ability to develop fellowship and be, be a future leader in the business or or the ministry, whatever the case. So I think that that would be the the big one. Uh, who you invite is absolutely fundamental to who you're going to become.
0: Those are so good. And I love how you bring up Truett, Kathy, because you clearly had a very special relationship with him. I did. He was the founder of Chick-fil-A, but because we all learn and retain lessons through stories, will you share a few of your favorite stories from your time spent working at Chick fil A?
1: Well, I think I'll start with one that, that involves Truett. And it was uh, early, it was my last interview uh, after almost five months of interviewing. It's my last interview with him. And I'm sitting in his office, it's December of 1980. I began interviewing with them in August of 1980, and I'm doing it still. I'm director of marketing for Six Flags Over Georgia. I like my job. And uh, I looked at Truett and I said, Truett, you know, this is getting to be a little cumbersome. I really respect you. I like what you got going here. I think I could help you. But quite frankly, uh, it's hard to keep doing this undercover. What are you looking for in the ideal marketing candidate? And am I the guy? And there was this long pause, and Trudeau looked at me and put down his sandwich. We were having lunch together, and he says, "I have absolutely no idea. All I know is whatever it is, I don't want to do it." And that answer caught me completely off guard. But he 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 didn't stop there. He said, "Um, "I'm trusting Jimmy and others to know whether." Jimmy Collins, who was the CEO. I'm just, I'm trusting Jimmy and others to know if you can do the work. I'm more interested in who you are. Uh, I want to know that we can trust each other. We can have fun together and we could potentially entertain working together for the rest of our careers. Now, I found that very unusual. That that's not common thinking in the marketplace, even in the early eighties. And that's when he made the comment to me, he says, the most important decision we we make here is who we invite to join Chick-fil-A. I, I tell you that's at the top of my list because it was my really my first clue on how, how unique, not only true it was, but how unique the culture was. Because it reflected him, it reflected those kind of values. And uh I didn't I didn't fully understand all the implications of what he was saying to me in that interview. But about two weeks later, they did offer me the job. And I have to tell you that as the years progressed, I came to understand that what Truett meant was when he said, I don't know what you're going to do, but all I know is I don't want to do it. That was actually, even though it sounded cute, that was really a reflection of his desire to hire great people and then leave them alone, empower them. As he said, if I trust you, he did. I I made mistakes. I talk about some in my book. But he trusted me. He trusted my team. I never had Truett call me to his office one time where he questioned anything we did, even though I had some humdingers. And so as a result of that, I got to work in an environment that tolerated making mistakes. It was a healthy, risk-taking environment. And Truett, was approaching the business, like he said, I expect that you'll never go anywhere else. He approached the business with a long-term horizon, which, again, is a very healthy thing if you're trying to build a brand and you're not just chasing short-term results. So that, that last interview with him was a milestone event. Obviously, the year 1982, when we were in a severe financial crisis in the United States and our sales were down, our cash flow was a major problem. Unpack it in the book. Uh, we went off to try to, as an executive committee, to try and figure out what are we going to do. And after almost three days, we we worked out with a plan of, around cash flow. But we spent most of the time talking about why do we exist. Let's make sure people understand why Chick Fil A exists, how we look at crises like this, and that's where we wrote the, the Chick Fil A corporate purpose. Uh, to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that's entrusted to us and to have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. We didn't just write a corporate purpose, uh, which had never been written down before, but it really it did cement clarity, first of all, for the executive team, but ultimately for the entire organization. Why does Chick-fil-A exist? Why do we get up in the morning? What motivates Truett? Became a litmus test of making all major decisions. Is this decision going to glorify God? Is it going to have a positive influence on others? And is it going to be good stewardship? It was a not only an inspirational but a practical purpose statement. So that's a, that's another high water mark. No one can say that the, the transition from malls to the street was not a major high water mark because it. It really ushered in focus on brand as opposed to just trying to take advantage of the traffic that was already in malls. We had to say, okay, now we got to get out in the marketplace and give people compelling reasons to want to try Chick fil A as opposed to all these other fast food brands on every street corner in America. And it was a, it was a formidable challenge, but that's where the whole journey Focus on brand and creating customer relationships began. Another high watermark occurred before I got there, which was in 1967 when Truett created the Chick fil A operator deal, the leadership model for every restaurant. And uh, these independent contractors are really the flywheel of what makes Chick fil A work. Uh, And that's an important thing to understand because. Our marketing and our brand strategies over time continue to grow even more dominant around equipping them and releasing them to build a brand, build relationships, build a network of, if you will, marketing agents through customers in their communities. It's a ground up marketing approach as opposed to central control, which is the way most people, particularly in the western industry, operate. I think clearly another major high watermark, Laura, which I think is a clear principle for anybody trying to build a business, is what I did to try to mimic, if you, if you will, mimic it in building my own leadership team. Over many years, I tried to attract people that were going to be able to from a skill set, do what needed to be done better than if I tried to continue to do it myself, whatever it was, but also people that I could trust, people I could have fun with and people who I thought over time would become potential leaders for Chick-fil-A, not only while I was there, but after I was gone. And I had the blessing of, you know, in a 35-year career of having and over 200 people work in the marketing department, but easily 20 or more that became incredible leaders in their own right made it very easy for me to walk away from Chick Fil A. Multiple candidates, not only to take my job, but virtually any major leadership role in the business. And uh, but I learned, you know, I guess at the core, I learned that from sure too. Uh, most important decision you make is who you invite into the business. So I I could go on with with more, but I don't think you know. Some people say, "Well, I haven't." You mentioned the cow campaign. Well, it was it was it was huge. Don't don't misunderstand me. But uh, it operated. It, it helped to build the brand and create awareness of the brand. But it operated in the context of all those other things I already mentioned. And if those other things had not happened, if those other attributes were not already Embedded in the business and embedded in the marketing department. Uh, I don't know that the cow campaign would have ever got off the ground. I mean, I'll never forget the first time uh, my team and I saw the creative, besides laughing our heads off, the immediate impression was this could not be more unlike other fast food advertising. And after we quit laughing and we kind of talked about it a little bit, we came to the conclusion, you know what? That's exactly who Chick-fil-A is. Uh, we're unlike any other fast food brand in terms of culture, store leadership, food quality, courtesy. Why should we have advertising that looks like everybody else? And we were given the freedom by Truett and Jimmy Collins to unleash that <laughs> that campaign in uh, in 1997, and I guess you can say the rest is history. And it helped. That and, and then the decision to get into college football literally helped put Chick-fil-A on the map as as a nationally known brand. But it all harkens back to my last interview with Truett. He empowered me and my team, and he trusted us to make decisions that would help the business of the brand grow long-term, build relationships with customers, not only in the restaurant, but emotionally, in their homes and in the, in, in communities, so we were able to do things that, quite frankly, are almost 180s from what everybody else in the industry does. And um, I think that's what contributed to ultimately Chick-fil-A becoming a brand that probably fits the description of a Blue Ocean brand, which is described in a very successful brand strategy book called Blue Ocean Strategy. And when that book came out and my staff and I studied it, it kind of clicked with us. Hey, this is the journey we've been on. Let's keep going. Uh, let's get really good at this, creating a point of differentiation about Chick-fil-A, not only with advertising or college sports, but with the food we put on the menu and with the hospitality model we developed for team members and how we use digital media, et cetera, et cetera. So there you go. That's, that's Those are some pretty significant watermarks, stories.
0: I love that. And just to circle back to that initial story that you share about that first interview, it also models Truett's playfulness. And I'm just going to read one of the quotes in your book because you write, this is from Truett. He says, but this is what I do know. I want to know that you and I can work together until one of us dies and I intend yes. to outlive you. And this time yes. you said he was smiling.
1: Yes, he was smiling. And so was I. But he was sincere. He never gave me any cause to lack my trust in him or his trust in me. He never did anything to make me think, well, I need to go somewhere else. In fact, just the opposite. I became more committed to the brand and to him with every passing year. Continued to love my work. Love the people I did it with. Might I have gone somewhere else and made more money? I don't know. That's pure speculation. I have no regrets that I had a 35-year career there. And and much of that, most of that, is because of him and Jimmy Collins and the kind of culture they created. Without question. But he was fun. He he certainly was. And um, he loved having fun. He was one of the greatest lovers of the cow campaign. He gave out more pulse. <laughs> he gave out hundreds of thousands of them. I don't know that ever wore a cow costume, but he, he just, he loved interacting with the cow campaign.
0: And now a brief message from our sponsor. Midwest Food Bank exists to provide industry-leading food relief to those in need while feeding them spiritually. They are a food charity with a desire to demonstrate God's love by providing help to those in need. Unlike other parts of the world where there's not enough food, In America, the resources actually do exist. That's why food pantries and food banks like Midwest Food Bank are so important. The goods that they deliver to their agency partners help to supplement the food supply for families and individuals across our country, aiding those whose resources are beyond stretched. Midwest Food Bank also supports people globally through their locations in Haiti and East Africa which are some of the areas hardest hit by hunger arising from poverty. This ministry reaches millions of people every year, and thanks to the Lord's provision, 99% of every donation goes directly toward providing food to people in need. The remaining 1% of income is used for fundraising, costs of leadership, oversight, and other administrative expenses. Donations, volunteers, and prayers are always appreciated for Midwest Food Bank. To learn more, visit MidwestFoodbank.org or listen to episode 83 of the Savvy Sauce, where the founder, David Kieser, shares miracles of God that he's witnessed through this nonprofit organization. I hope you check them out today. Well, and I love the humble stories that you shared in your book as well, and you alluded to one about the marketing investment that did not go the way that you had planned, so will you also share that story with us <clears> now
1: yeah well it was it was uh, early in nineteen eighty two which was only my second year. Uh, they already had on the calendar a promotion for the spring of eighty two called first and best, and it was designed to help counter McDonald's entering the marketplace with their own chicken sandwich. I had no problem with the, the whole strategic idea of the campaign. Uh, Chick fil A was first and still best, still is. But it was a coupon promotion using newspapers and direct mail and basically trying to bribe people to come to stores. And it was, you got to remember, they were all in malls back then. My role in it was rather than to question it, I just I piled on and beefed up the media plan and. And it didn't really cross my mind that it basically was just like all the other fast food brands, uh, just on steroids. And so the net result was it, it not only performed well, it overperformed. It went over budget by $2 million. And $2 million back then was a lot of money on a business that was only doing about $120 million in sales. And it was going to hit the corporate P&L. And it was during that whole financial crisis. So in addition to everything going on in the economy, here I am with a promotion that adds to the problem. And um sure it never came to me. And after three or four days after the promotion had I knew this this is not good. <laughs> it's uh it's out of control. It's all the restaurants and their kitchen staffs can do to try to keep up with what's going on in the stores. And I went to Jimmy Collins. I said, Jimmy, I need to apologize. I was too aggressive. I don't know that I was arrogant, but I certainly made some decisions and did some things that were not rooted in experience and not enough facts. And I apologize. I'll never forget, I can still see it sitting in Jimmy's office. And he said, uh, in fact, I wasn't sitting, I was standing. He looked at me and said, Steve, he said, don't worry about it. I've already, I discussed it with Truett because uh I was as much a part of the campaign decision as you were. I was there. And he said, besides we've invested $2 million in your education, you're never going to make that mistake again. (laughs) And uh, he was right. The the long-term implication of it was my team and I decided, you know what, we're not going to do marketing like everybody else in the fast food industry does marketing. We're not going to use coupons. We're not going to discount. We're not going to use price deals. We're going to have to figure out how to market Chick-fil-A so people are willing to pay full price. And, Laurel, that took a lot of work, and it took it took many years to transition the marketing strategies and, and the discipline to not chase transactions. Because when you discount and when you use coupons, that's basically what you're doing. You're just chasing transactions. But in the process, you're really watering down the value of the brand, the value of the product. And um, if we hadn't done that, if that hadn't happened, uh, we may have eventually come to that conclusion, but I can assure you that mistake got us to that conclusion much quicker. <laughs> and uh, uh Jimmy was correct. We learned from it big time. And it literally had a, uh, it set the course on some of the early direction for how we marketed Chick-fil-A. And by the way, the sure never did say anything to me about it. Uh, I volunteered to Jimmy. I said, should I go speak to Truett about it? He said, no, you don't need to do that. (laughs) (laughs) He said, I've already talked to him about it, but you don't need to do that. But Truett never said a thing to me about that $2 million mistake.
0: Well, and it's incredible to hear those stories of how leadership handles things. Jeff Henderson has been a repeat guest on The Savvy Sauce, and he shares also humbly some mistakes that he made. And those are always relatable because we all make mistakes. But then just like you, how that was truly an investment and an educational piece that really was used then going forward in the success of Chick-fil-A. And also Chick-fil-A is founded on biblical principles. So I'd love to know what you experienced, Steve, with either specific scripture coming to life or biblical principles that you have seen that are actually the best business practices as well.
1: That experience of 1982 of writing The Corporate Purpose in the, in the middle of a crisis helped me understand that uh, Truett's attitude about the business was the Chick-fil-A, the sandwich, the business, the whole thing was a gift. Trumped only by the, the gift of salvation through Christ. And, and that's the way he looked at it. And, and he had a responsibility to steward the gift as the purpose states in a way that will glorify God and positively influence others. Also early on, I got exposed to the corporate P and L. I never forget the day. One of the first times I saw it, I was glancing through it and I got down to the bottom of it and I saw this line for charitable contributions. Contributions and donations and scholarships. Did some quick math in my head and I thought, you know what, this is This is roughly 10% of pre-tax profit. It's true it was tithing the business. He never talked about it till the day he died. He never talked about it. Uh, He just did it. He tithed the business. And it wasn't long after that that I was introduced to a passage in Malachi, chapter 3, verses 8 through 14, where God is talking to Israel and telling them, hey, you're robbing me. And they say, well, how are we robbing you? He said, you're robbing me in tithes and offerings. And instead of coming down hard on him, he basically says, listen, if you'll, if you'll do this, if you'll honor me for your tithes and offerings, I'll bless you beyond your wildest imagination. Now that's a contemporary summary, but that's what he said. And it's the only place in scripture where God says, if you'll test me on something, the outcome is positive. So my point of telling you that story was the whole experience with the corporate PL and Learning the true tithe opened my eyes to tithing because quite frankly I had tight fists. I resisted tithing. Dinah, it was one of the few things Dinah and I did not see eye to eye on. She wanted to tithe. And I decided, you know what? Good enough for true Kathy, particularly given what God tells us in Malachi. If I can trust God with my salvation, why can't I trust Him with my wallet? We, I. But we began the process of tithing and changed our life, changed my life. Discovered what cheerful giving is all about. And um, so that's one. I think the other one is honor, dignity, and respect. When, you know, God in Genesis said he created men and women in his own image. And I don't know that we fully can grasp all that it means, but uh, if we are made in God's image, I have a responsibility to respect, honor, offer dignity to anyone I encounter, anyone we deal with, no matter what their position in life. Being raised in the South, that's a challenging perspective. It's a healthy one, but it's a challenging perspective. And that perspective, quite frankly, was. A major motivation in developing the hospitality model for Chick-fil-A, which we ultimately called Second Mile Service based on Matthew 5.41, where Christ challenged his disciples to go a a second mile when a Roman soldier said, I want you to carry my pack for a mile. Uh, We wanted a Chick-fil-A environment, not just in the home office, but in the restaurants that offered that kind of respect to anyone who walked in the door, came through the drive-through, that is a daily, still is, thank goodness, praise God, it, it still is a daily objective of that business. And that clearly is a bigger deal than just making sure the sandwich is right.
0: And Steve, for anyone who never got the chance to meet Truett Kathy, will you share just some of your personal observations about working with him for many <laughs> decades?
1: Yeah. Well, I can say a lot about Truett. Truett was, first of all, he was a member of the greatest generation. He was at the same class, if you will, as my own dad. World War II veteran. Truett had a great respect for the role of work, uh, the responsibility to take care of yourself and take care of your family, therefore you work, do something productive, do something that will serve your community. He came back from World War II and started the Little Dwarf House restaurant with his brother, Ben, and they got to work. And he was running that restaurant for well over 25 years before he ever created the Chick-fil-A sandwich. You know, he started that little restaurant in 1946, and he didn't open the first Chick-fil-A store until 1967. So he is in the trenches, behind the counter, all those years working Interacting with his team, interacting with customers, getting to know customers, building relationships in the community, serving community, getting involved in his church. So first of all, my point is that True was a a man who honored work, loved work, and considered it a responsibility of of every individual to take care of themselves and their family. So a great work ethic. He was fun. He was a practical joker. He was humble. Never went beyond high school, self-educated. He self-educated through the life of hard knocks and experiences. Uh, he was educated heavily, if anything, by scripture, by the Bible. Probably the one book he read the most by far. Incredibly wise as he went about making decisions. Patient. Uh, very good listener. Slow to anger. Sometimes... <laughs> frustratingly slow to make decisions but that was because he he really wanted to make sure he was making the right decision or we were not afraid to empower others because he'd rather have other people doing all the things he didn't want to do the, the operator deal is a reflection of him not wanting to have a whole bunch of managers reporting to him but rather have independent leaders in every restaurant that he didn't have to worry about it's ingenious All the years I knew him and his family, I never heard him or any members of family ever say, these operators are making too much money. We got to restructure the operator deal. Never, never change. Never has changed. He was generous to a fault because he wanted people to do the stuff he didn't want to (laughs) do, and he was willing to generously compensate people to do the things he didn't want to do. And in the process, he won. He still won, you know. He was the sort of guy you enjoyed being around. He was he was not a showman. He would, didn't, didn't try to get attention. He wasn't a particularly good speaker, but he, now this will sound like a contradiction, but he was actually a very good communicator. So uh, all that to say, Laura, he was a tremendous mentor just because of being around him. It wasn't like he spent hours sitting across the table from me. He mentored me just by the way he behaved and the way he made decisions, the way he treated people. Uh, Jimmy Collins, same way. They were both men of integrity, hard work, humble, and great role models because it's much more in a business. It is a platform to serve other people.
0: There's an exciting project taking place behind the scenes right now, and I would love to invite you to participate. I will give you more details as I'm able, but for now, here's my request. Will you email me your personal story of a specific way God has clearly shown up in your life? Big or small, I wanna hear an account of the way he made himself known to you and maybe received credit for an answered prayer or a way he worked out a situation in a miraculous way, or how he displayed his power in your life. There's no limit to the type of story to submit, as long as it's true. So please email me your story at this email address, info at the savvy I can't wait to read your story. Thanks for sharing. You shared another great illustration in your book that was highlighting Truett's creative leadership. And I believe it was Jimmy Collins who recounted this story to you. When the two of them were helping with the grand opening, Truett was disappointed that one of the young ladies working at that grand opening was not smiling. So Jimmy offered to take care of the situation and proceeded to tell the woman that he noticed she wasn't smiling and he asked her to change that and make sure she started smiling. But a few minutes later, she still wasn't smiling. So then Truett decided to solve the problem himself in a very creative sort of way. So he approached the woman and kindly asked, Why is it that every time I look at you, you're smiling? And I'm sure we can all guess what happened next. His creative approach actually encouraged her to begin smiling and keep on smiling.
1: (laughs) Jim used to say he was not a position power leader. He was a personal power leader. And many of us learned that from him, and including Jimmy. Jimmy will be quick to tell you that he learned the difference between position power and personal power from being around Truett. And uh, that's all he was doing with that young lady, was just using his own personality to, at the end of the day, get her to do what he, what he wanted her to do. But it wasn't through a directive. It was just through his own unique personality. And we all have those abilities. The real lesson in that that I learned, uh, not just on that story, but I learned with Chick-fil-A over time is that really good leaders uh, don't depend on what their title is. They get things done regardless of their position in the organization. And those are the people that ironically, at the end of the day, are the ones that ultimately move up in position because they've already proven they can get things done.
0: And I'd also love to point out one other characteristic that you mentioned in the book where you talk about Truett's out-of-the-box thinking. Quote, he reminded us, Chick-fil-A is not a church or a ministry. He said, I'm not going to put scripture on packaging or on the bottom of cups. We're not going to put evangelical material in our restaurants. I want people to discover what we believe because of how we treat them. Jesus didn't say, I expect you to be a bullhorn. He said, I expect you to be salt. I expect you to be light. So is there anything you'd like to say, That's Steve, correct. to elaborate on that?
1: <laughs> no, no, I can't add much to that. That is a correct quote. I know it's a correct quote because I had multiple people proofread the book, including Jimmy Collins and members of the Kathy family. Yes, that that is correct. Truett wanted the, the spiritual, Christ-like impact of the business To flow through the people because of the interactions we have in the marketplace, not by the stuff people say or stuff pinned to the wall. That's exactly right.
0: And I appreciate one of his grandsons had shared with us how, even in a very (laughs) practical way of living out biblical principles, Truett had said to him, our lights shine brightest when they're off on Sundays.
1: Yes. You know, and quite frankly, I think Truth would tell you that that's not how he made the decision to be close on Sunday. He made the decision to be closed on Sunday because he and Ben, his brother, opened the Dwarf, what was called then the Dwarf Grill, And their first week. And they get to midnight, they get to Saturday night. And Truth says, you know, Ben, I'm beat. I don't want to work Sunday. I don't want to ask our people to work Sunday. I don't want to ask our people to do something I'm not willing to do. Let's close tomorrow. That's the practical side of how they came to the conclusion. We're just not going to operate on Sunday. Truett regularly said between the two of them, they decided if we can't make a living in six days then we're in the wrong business. But I think what he learned over time was being closed on Sunday was a, a clear brand statement that there were some things within Chick-fil-A that were more important than profits. It proved quite frankly to also be a, I guess you could say a catalyst to attract great team members who valued having Sunday off, who wanted time with their family, friends or to worship and give people a chance to rest physically and emotionally. And quite frankly, or even give the restaurant, the equipment a chance to rest. And if there's things that need to be fixed, then. You know, the operator can tend to that. Maybe it's Sunday afternoon, get things, you know, prepared for the next day. But um, it clearly is a statement about what's important at Chick fil A. But it just came out of the reality that Truett was tired and he didn't want to work on Sunday.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, in the same way that Truett was a neighbor by always being willing to share food. <laughs> What are a few ways that you've witnessed Chick-fil-A operators responding to difficult situations in a neighborly manner by offering food? Oh,
1: my gosh. Unbelievable. Truett's generosity and his attitude about serving the community in which you're planted is totally contagious and embedded in the Chick-fil-A operator family. They understand it. They get it. I mean there's story after story of after story natural disasters snowstorms hurricanes operators feeding hundreds and thousands of people emergency personnel as well as customers in the community people stranded out on highways shelters where the people aren't able to get food into the shelters Chick-fil-A finds a way to do it these operators are serving thousands of people in their communities every year, most of the time nobody knows it, principally with food, not money. They would much rather meet a physical need than just give somebody money. And they're not doing it with leftovers. They're they're giving them their best and they're giving them a lot of it. And I'm not exaggerating. So I I hear these stories all the time and I'm not surprised by it because, you know, going all the way back to when True created the operator concept, Laura, one of his motives was to have people in leadership in the restaurant who would behave the way he would if he was there. Well, that has far-reaching implications. That implies a, a great due-diligent focus on the kind of talent you attract and keep. It has implications about how you see your community as a place of service, not just as a place to withdraw income from. So operators understand that and they, it's just to be blunt, it's communicated clearly and repeatedly to them as they come through the interview process and they go through training. As they go out and spend time with mentor operators before they ever get their own restaurant, they understand the role of serving the community uh, unselfishly uh, because that's what sure Kathy would do.
0: And I'll just share one example. There was, this example has always stuck with me, but there was an elderly couple who was trapped in their home. And you write about this with the rising waters of Hurricane Harvey. And they couldn't get a hold of anyone when they called 911. So they said they tried (laughs) the next best thing, which was their (laughs) local Chick-fil-A. And the husband ordered two chicken burritos with extra egg and a boat. And sure enough, the Chick-fil-A team members right. were able to work it out to one of them had their husband go pick the couple up in a boat. It's just amazing to hear the examples that's of yes, biblical principles correct. lived out. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, and another one that's one of my favorites is uh, Mark Meadows, who's an operator over in uh, Birmingham. This is a one of those sage stories, but it's true. They had a They had an ice storm over in Birmingham, and Highway 280 that ran out in front of his store was literally, for miles, a parking lot with cars that couldn't move. And I don't know how he did it, but he got team members into his restaurant. The store wasn't open. He got team members into his restaurant, and they made hundreds and hundreds of meals, and they went up and down 280 feeding people sitting in their cars. Because they're stranded. So yeah, that one is an example of just two people, and here's another one's an example of hundreds. But that that is pretty typical Chick Fil A operator.
0: And Steve, your stories today have definitely helped us to fall more in love with Chick Fil A. And one possible next step for someone listening could be to apply at their local Chick Fil A or. Simply contact your local Chick-fil-A operator to see if there's a way to partner together. But beyond that, you write that you truly desire for people to always know their purpose. And I think that your book is yes. a great starting place to help someone go through that journey. Well, thank you. Yes. Thank and you, yeah. I hope everybody picks up a copy of that. And beyond your book, if anyone wants to learn more from you, where would you like to direct them?
1: I would say, Laura, direct them to my website, which is srobinsonconsulting.com, srobinsonconsulting.com. I've got a lot besides information on my book. I have some podcasts posted there. I have some articles that I've written posted there. I reference some other great books that I recommend. So, yeah, I'd say go to my website. Thanks for asking.
0: Yes, my pleasure. And I will be happy to link to that in the show notes of today's episode. And you may know that we're called the Savvy Sauce because savvy is synonymous with practical knowledge or discernment. And so mm-hmm. as my final question mm-hmm. for you today, what is your savvy sauce? <laughs>
1: um. Well, I guess I could, I could offer two or three. One of them would be Forrest Gump's. Mother who said, "Stupid is as stupid does uh I try to avoid doing things that are stupid, which means you gotta you gotta think about stuff you need to pursue wisdom. I think the greatest source of wisdom is god's word so um I highly recommend people read read a proverb there's thirty one chapters read one every day. It's a book of wisdom, and it's helped me immensely. So one is uh figure out a way to avoid doing stupid things. I think another one is you, we become really the product of who we hang out with and what we read. So be intentional about who you spend time with, Uh not just a kind of formal mentoring relationship, but, you know, who you play off with, who you have meals with, who you do social events with. What are you reading? Uh, My favorites are, uh, aside from the word, is historical and biographical work. I think we learn a lot from not only people's successes, but from their failures. Study the history of other great leaders, including even the ones that may have failed. I'll, I'll stop with that.
0: Those are wonderful, savvy sauces. And Steve, I'm just so thankful for this time spent with you. And maybe without your realizing it, your work has significantly impacted my family's life. So thank you for the contribution that you've made to Chick-fil-A. Thank you for being sensitive to God's leading in your life. And thank you for being my guest today.
1: Well, it's been a treat, Laura. Thank you for asking. And uh, there's not a day that goes by that I don't continue to think about Chick Fil A. I think about the, the Chick Fil A operator family. What a joy it was to work with them, like people like you and your husband. It's an amazing organization. Anybody wants to be a part of it, get in line. It's a long wait, <laughs> but um, it's it is an amazing amazing organization. And I think as long as they stay focused on their corporate purpose. Um, God will continue to give him discernment, wisdom, and favor. So thank you. Enjoyed being with you.
0: Mm, likewise and amen. Ever since launching this podcast in 2018, our team has tried to release at least one episode every Monday morning. In addition, we also launched a secret bonus episode for paying patrons on the first of every month. But in 2022, we're changing things up a bit. We will continue to release the bonus episode for paying patrons, but on those weeks, when it's the first of the month, that will be the only episode going live, which means next week, on Monday, there will not be a brand new episode available for the general public. If you've benefited from any messages on The Savvy Sauce, we would encourage you to support our work through joining Patreon. You can go to thesavvysauce.com, click on the Patreon tab, Click Join Patreon here and then follow the prompts so that you can have access to all these bonus episodes and downloadable scripture cards. We hope you join us there, otherwise, we'll see you back here in two weeks. One more thing before you go. Have you heard the term gospel before? It simply means good news and I want to share the best news with you. But it starts with the bad news. The heavens are praising with you for your decision today. If you've already received this good news, I pray that you have someone else to share it with today. You are loved, and I look forward to meeting you here next time.